Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now to the outside world. It looked like Claire Shine had the world at her feet. Excelling on the football pitch, a rising star, playing international football and receiving plaudits from all angles. But internally, she was struggling. By the age of 23, Claire had become addicted to alcohol, experimented with drugs, suffered panic attacks and even tried to take her own life. And Claire joins me on the line to tell us about her new book, which is called uh, Scoring Goals in the Dark. Claire, good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Live. Hi, Adrian. How are you? How are I, I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much indeed for, uh, for joining us. Claire, for people not familiar with uh, your story, I want you to take me back to uh, the beginning and to where... It all began uh, in Douglas in County Cork. Yeah, so I grew up playing football um, since I was the age of five. Um, and I joined Douglas Hall. Um, and yeah, I just kind of played through the ranks there. Um, and then I went on and played for Cork City. And I moved up to Dublin then to play at Rohini United. And then I travelled across the East to play with um, Glasgow City. Um, but in the kind of mix, of me growing up in Douglas, I was also playing uh, for Douglas Gas Club, and I was playing for Cork, uh, Gaelic football, and Camogie as well. So I had a lot of fun through teenage years. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it began and how it started for me. Okay, so you were you were flat out, um, and obviously. Uh, football and sport in general, obviously, uh, was something that you'd always loved. Yeah, of course. You know, I've played um, I loved sport my whole life. It was something that I always loved and adored to do, um, especially being involved in like team sports. You know, I've made some incredible friendships throughout my time playing as well. Um, so, yeah, it was just something that I've always dreamt of as well to kind of um, play for my country and for, play professional sport and as well as that I also wanted to play in pro for Cork to, to play in all Ireland final too so I had a lot of ambitions um, from the early years um, and I'm just glad you know, that I've been able to experience some of the, the greatest highs that sport can give me mm, Okay now um, it wasn't all as, as glamorous as uh, all of that list of, of achievements would suggest because um, at, at one point um, you suffered uh, a leg break and tell me about the impact that that had on you. It had a huge impact on me, you know, it was probably the first time I was on my own doing things. Um, you know, when you break your leg, you have to go through a whole uh, rehab process. Um, and I had a lot of time on my own doing that. Um, and I also had at the back of my mind, you know, we were playing in the European finals as well in June, um, the under-19 European finals in Norway. And there was a chance that I was going to miss that. And, you know, football was and sport was something that I always wanted to do. So um, when it was kind of taken away from me, uh, I didn't really know who I was or what my identity was away from sport. I mm. found that really difficult. And this is when you suffered for the very first time, um, a panic attack. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I was struggling um, mentally throughout that period and I did go on to actually play in the European finals and score the first game against Spain, which is, like, remarkable for, because of the way I was feeling. Um, and, yeah, up, up, 
that kind of Christmas period, um, I was suffering with panic attacks and I didn't really know anything about mental health. I didn't know how to help myself. I didn't know what was happening to my body, really, to be honest. Um, So when the panic attacks became more frequent, I knew that there was definitely something wrong. But all the while... While you're you're suffering this loss of identity because your whole world revolved around playing football, um, that was taken away from you as as you described. But you blamed everything on the leg and the the injury and the broken leg rather than any attention going on on the mental health issues that were developing inside you. No, of course, you know I was able to. I had a cast on. I had a boot on my leg, so it was kind of obvious to people that had an injury but I didn't know how to explain my mental my my mental health to that at that period because I didn't know myself what was going on. I wasn't educated in it. I didn't know anything about it. I had no one to really turn to because I ha- I couldn't relate to anybody else and I thought it was just me that was going through all these uh these struggles inside my mind. Um so I think it just kinda came to a point where it was too much for me to handle and that's when the the panic attack um, and the suicidal thoughts kind of um, came to mind, and I just, I just didn't know how to handle them. I didn't know how to be open or be honest because I didn't know how to express myself or to be honest um, about how I was actually feeling. So you got to a very dark place, um, and eventually reached out for 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 help and availed of the fantastic services of uh, Pieta House uh, with the help of your brother who was very supportive to you yeah of course you know it became visible my panic attacks um one of them did anyway i tried to hide it as much as possible i didn't want anybody to worry about me um so i tried to hide everything i was going through um that was nice uh, around christmas time um I had a panic attack and, you know, after that, um, that was when my brother reached out to the house and, and kind of got me in there and, and started. It, it, it really gave me an insight into what mental health really was and the services that were provided without me even knowing about it. So my time in PSS was really good um, first three months. And then, you know, a couple of weeks after I had finished up in Pieta House, I signed my first professional contract. So it was it was crazy what was going on behind the scenes um, because okay I, so on the one hand you're uh, receiving treatment in Pieta House for to help you with suicidal ideation and so on and uh, by complete contrast you're signing your first uh, professional football contract yeah pretty much so so literally chalk was, and cheese going on in your in your life yeah absolutely yeah um, and I didn't really know you know I I kind of brushed everything under the carpet and was like, oh, this is a new life for me. Professional contract. I was moving out of home. I was um, I thought moving and getting into that environment would help me a lot. Whereas when I moved over, I actually just brought all my problems with me. It's not like it's something that goes away overnight. It needs to be something that you have to look at every day and confront. Mm. So, so at, at that point, you you left uh, Pieta House after a twelve week stint, and you bounded out of the place um, as if life was back to normal again. But really, it wasn't. Yeah, it isn't. You know, with your mental health, it needs to be treated like this as well. You know, I had to go through the process of community and that's a that's a can be a long process. And you know, with mental health. 
like you can have your good days and bad days, um, and you could have a week of bad days, and have one good day, and you forget about all the bad days that you've had. Um, so it's like keeping on top of yourself all the time, and I kind of understand aspects to your mental health. And I just thought, you know, oh my God, I'm feeling so much better. Um, I'm a lot brighter. Um, so it was as if I just thought that I really, I wasn't keeping on top of how I was feeling and it just kind of creeped back into me um, and it took me down that, that path again. I'm in the middle of a conversation with uh, a lady called Claire Shine. She has brought out uh, a new book described by many as really inspiring. It's called Scoring Goals uh, in the Dark. And Claire, you you spent 18 months in in Scotland with uh, Glasgow uh, City. And then you signed for uh, Cork City, back home again. You thought being back home... Uh, might help you um, to improve your life, but it actually did the opposite. How? Yeah, it did. You know, I was over here in Glasgow. I was, you know, we won the league. Um, I was playing Champions League football, but off the pitch, I wasn't looking after myself. Uh, you know, I was living in this uh, accommodation, which was supplied by Glasgow City, and it, it got a name for being the party flat. Um, I wasn't looking after myself as I said and I was going out quite often and I was kind of having parties and things like that and my reputation was starting to slip um, and it, was, it wasn't it was until the CEO of the club kind of spoke to me and said look um, things need to change um, and you know I was really immature at the time um, and I kind of ran away from that situation when it started to get a bit obvious and I thought coming home um, was going to help um, coming back into my home environment um, but it just kind of went the opposite way uh, and the opposite way it. was you started drinking very uh, heavily and uh, people started noticing as well yeah it was you know I was drinking um, nearly every day of the week um, and I was also playing with, with Cork City so there was instances where I was turning up to training or I was turning up to a game uh, under the influence of alcohol uh, which to everybody was kind of really really noticeable but I thought I was kind of getting away with it because I was still scoring goals I was still kind of turning off but I wasn't really there Um, and I think that's kind of hard to explain to people uh, unless they go through it you know I was probably the worst uh, player on the pitch um, because there was other things that I had in mind you know my priority around that time was being in the pub um, and going and you, out. You, and, and just to put this in context, you you were out drinking five or six nights a week. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, and trying it, to it be a professional sense. footballer as well, uh, something eventually has to give, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, it was really difficult, and it brought me to some really dark places. Um, I didn't believe that I had a problem with drink um, or. I had a problem with drugs. I just felt like um, it was the normal thing to do. And from someone who had just played in the Champions League six months before that, I found myself in a really difficult situation. Um, and accepting that, that that was my life now and that I was never going to get back to professional sport uh, was something that I had accepted. Um, and I think that's just the nature of 
the disease and the nature of addiction. You know, it, it talks to you in, in ways that you couldn't even believe and it makes you um, believe that this is your life and there's no getting out of it. Um, and, and that, I, I that, that as you said, brought you to a, to a very dark place. Take me to a, a date that is etched in your mind and that is the 20th of October 2018. Why is that date etched in your mind? Um... It was the day that I tried to commit suicide, um, but there was a massive build-up to that situation. You know, I, it was on my mind for many months before that, um, and it, it was really scary time for me. Um, I feel like when you're in that situation, it's really hard to open up and speak about it because you don't want people to worry. Um, I thought that, you know, what I had put my family and my friends through, I was living with the guilt of doing that as well. Um, and I thought that this was the only way out and it was the only way for me to to escape ex- exactly how I was feeling. And, and I just feel like I wasn't in a position to speak about it. Um, I thought that, you know, if I was to speak about it, people would look at me in a different view. You know, I was playing professional sport and I was in a, in a professional environment and these things aren't spoke about in professional environments. And did, did, you see it as a, as a, did you see it as a weakness in your part? Oh, 100% I did. Um, and I was completely powerless. It took over my whole life. It, 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 it put me in situations where I was completely out of control. Um, I wasn't in control of my decision making and I was making all the wrong decisions thinking that it was normal. Um, and again, like I, I, as I said, I, I put my family through really horrible experiences as well. Um, and it was just something that I completely lost control of and I found it really really hard to to get myself back on track mm. um, and I felt like suicide was the only answer for me After that uh, suicide attempt which obviously was the the lowest point that you've ever been you quickly discovered that you actually have uh, some friends who really care about you and really want to see you uh, get better and you describe um, goalkeeper Amanda Budden as one of those people that you probably wouldn't be here without. Uh, tell me about uh, Amanda and what she did for you. Where do I even begin? Uh, she went above and beyond for me, to be honest. Um, she could see that what like my lifestyle was doing to me. Um, and it was around that period, you know, I remember waking up in hospital and Amanda was actually on the hospital bed and I was on the couch beside her. Um so she actually packed a bag and came in and, and, and sat next to me throughout that period. Um, she was always there for me. You know, she she got me a job then with Body Fuels, um, which gave me a, bit, a little bit of routine. She brought me to the gym almost every day. Um, she taught me, you know, um, about nutrition. Um, she introduced me to a good diet um, as such. Um, and, you know, it's friends like that. She was the first person to kind of speak out about everything that was going on in my life and, and spoke to the management at Cork City, uh, which, you know, at the time I wasn't really impressed of. But when I look back now, it was probably the best thing that anyone could have ever done for me. Um, it shone a light on, on, on things that I didn't want to shine a light on. Mm. And, you know, without her being able to do that, you know, I'm just so thankful that she was in my life and she still is in my life and she's still always there for me.
That's fantastic. So that was one of the discoveries that you made, that there there is somebody uh, near and dear to you who cares dearly. And, and you've, you've also found that with your own family as well. Let me uh, find out how you are uh, today in uh, 2022, Claire, because things right now uh, couldn't be more exciting in your uh, professional life. Before I find out about, for example, this weekend, um, tell me where you are now and how you're coping. Um, I'm actually in a really good place at the moment. You know, there's a lot going on, in my, a lot of positive things going on in my life. Um, I'm in a really good routine. I have a lot of really positive people surrounding me every day in terms of my teammates and, and the management staff at Glasgow City. They've been they've gone above and beyond for me. Um, you know, I'm enjoying the football aspect of it. I know we missed out narrowly on, on the league title, but we have everything to play for now on Sunday in, in the cup final against Celtic. Um, I think, you know, a routine um, is something that I thrive off. Um, having something to kind of get up and, and to get me out of the bed and, and something that I love to do. Um, I lost that for a long period of time in, in my life. So it's just being able to appreciate the small things and and the positives that are in my life. And I think that's something that I have learned along the way. And you signed a new contract as well. I sure did. That's yeah, fantastic. I went through yesterday. Yeah, and a, a, a year-long extension, so I'm delighted with that. That is fantastic, it really is. So Scottish Cup final this coming Sunday, uh, Glasgow, uh, Glasgow City uh, against Celtic, another big occasion. Huge occasion, yeah. Um, we won it back in 2019 at the same venue against Hibernian Women. Um, and it was a thrilling game to be a part of, um, especially for people who are watching you know, on the outside for the women's game. It was massive over here in Scotland. And I think it's just, everyone's just so excited for it again this season. Um, you know, getting to the Scottish Cup is a massive achievement for the club and we're just all really looking forward to it. Okay, now, the uh, final question is about the book. The book is, uh, you wrote, wrote it with uh, Gareth Marr. It's called Scoring Goals in the Dark. What made you decide to um, put pen to paper? Uh, is, is this part of your recovery, telling your story? Yeah, well, I've kind of, you know, I journal a lot and I have done over the last number of years. Um, it's like a diary really for me. Um, and, you know, I just think my experiences and what I've been through can help so many people. And there is a gap, you know, in the market for something like this. I remember going through the darkest moments in my life and I had no one really to turn to about certain certain issues. So for anyone who is going through anything that I have been through, they'll be able to relate and they'll be able to turn to someone and know that there is definitely a way out and there is light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the day. As I said, the book is called uh, Scoring Goals in the Dark. Uh, a lot of people that I know who have read it have described it as an inspirational book. Is is that what you want people to take from it? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, it attracts um, men, it attracts women, girls and boys, you know, and not just the... Uh, from a football aspect, you know, there's a lot of things in there that I talk about and for people going through everyday life, you know, the expectations of life and the pressures of everyday life as well. I think, you know, they affect people as well at the end of the day. And I think my book has a really good balance with that. Um, and I just hope that people can relate and, you know, have that strength inside them to, to speak about how they're feeling and to know that they're not alone and that this book hopefully will inspire people to 
to ask for help and there's no shame in asking for help either. Absolutely. All right. Well, on that note, Claire, I wish you uh, nothing but the best in the future. Um, it is, it's so brave of you to speak in such a public way to attract publicity like this from national radio and so on, which I'm sure is a little bit outside your, your comfort zone, but you... You're doing it for a reason, which is absolutely uh, fantastic. And as I said, I wish you nothing but the best. Congratulations on the new contract and the very best of luck in uh, the Scottish Cup final on, on Sunday. And as I said, I wish you nothing but the best in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks, I appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, Claire Shine, her uh, book is called Scoring Goals in the Dark. And uh, it's described as not a typical football story. It's a human story of incredible heartache, tremendous bravery and raw honesty. And uh, it sounds, it really makes a fantastic read. If you've been affected by any of the issues uh, that we've been discussing in the last uh, 20 minutes with uh, Claire, uh, the Samaritan's free phone number is 116123. You can also contact Pieta House and uh, you could hear Claire speaking so um, warmly about uh, Pieta House. Their number is 1800 247 247. It's Lunchtime Live here at News Talk. We're back in just a moment. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.